0: the homemakers club podcast the homemakers club is a sisterhood of women who value the old-fashioned ways and traditions of making a house a home as you listen in each week to conversation between myself and a fellow homemaker it is my hope that you'll feel as though we are old friends and you're stopping by my home for a long-standing weekly tradition of sweet tea and sweet conversation As good old friends do, we will celebrate the simplicities of ordinary days and come alongside one another to navigate the joys and hardships of homemaking. It is my prayer that when we say our goodbyes at the end of each episode, you leave with a heart that is enriched and filled with provision, so that when you tie your apron strings each morning, you are joyfully ready to create a beautiful and fruitful life within your home. Grab a cup of tea and I'll meet you at the kitchen table. Welcome to the Homemakers Club Podcast. Today I have someone that I am so incredibly excited to have on the podcast. She has been a mentor in my life for the last five years. I have Miss Jennifer Pepito with me. She is the creator of the Peaceful Press Homeschool Curriculums that I've been using in my home for five years and she's a voice on the Wild and Free Podcast and she's just breathe so much life into my heart and into my home. So to have you Jen on the podcast is an absolute honor and I just am ecstatic to have a conversation with you about your heart for home and homemaking. Welcome.
1: Thanks. I'm so excited to have the chance to talk with you. I love what you're doing about just really inspiring people towards the power of home. You know, I I've been reading a lot about culture and kind of on the one hand, really concerned about some of the things that I see in culture and politics and in the world right now, but then reading about people like Corey Ten Boom or the Benedictines and seeing how people kept a beautiful home life, a restorative home life, a home life that was centered on the Lord through these hard times and how that, you know, maybe saved some people. I mean, in the case of Corey Ten Boom, their home saved people's lives you know, but in in the other case, maybe the Benedictines, maybe there weren't a lot of people's lives being saved through the work of that home. It was basically a school for the service of the Lord, but the way that they kept up godly practices and, you know, work and a balance of play and rest and work, it really helped preserve civilization in a way. And so I feel like We, as mothers, have the power to save civilization, not the gospel power that will give us, you know, life and eternity. But we have this power to, even though the world around us is dark, we are making little lighthouses. The Bible says, you know, let your light shine before men, they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so, as we take care of our homes, love our children. Welcome in our neighbors, bake a loaf of bread, put some flowers out. We're being a civilizing, a restorative force in the world.
0: I completely agree. In fact, I was just having a conversation with a friend just a little bit ago about how we're the light bearers within our neighborhoods and our communities, and then it's a trickle effect. So the more our lights are being lit by each other and through community and encouraging women to go home and be present and intentional and make their house a home, not just by the beauty and aesthetics of home, but the foundational roots and the building of good, healthful homes with the work of our hands with grand intention we're turning a light on and we're inviting other women to do the same within their homes and really there's like a rising of motherhood and womanhood back into the home and as we do that more lights I just have this visual of like little lights coming on porch lights and kitchen lights within a dark community the more lights the more light shines and the better our our neighborhood becomes and then our community we live in a small town and I just picture we have a dark little town in a valley in the woods. Like that's where we live. And every time I think about the power of the light being shined within our home, I start picturing our little valley town getting brighter and brighter. And then I picture like a a plane flying over and they just see this beautiful light shining in our community. And I tie that to the work of a woman within her home. And so I really do believe what you're saying that there's a, a rising of women in their homes and we're going to change the world. Like, I know that's profound to say, but I really believe that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You you think about, you know, how important relationships are to functional living. Like so many of the people who are dealing with mental illness and homelessness, that's a real big problem where we live in California. So many of them come from homes where there's a lot of dysfunction and brokenness. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as we learn how to live in community with parents, like right now, my parents are staying in a motor home on our property. And so we eat all our meals together and, you know, we're, we're having to learn to work with each other, learning to even do conflict. Sometimes if there's something we don't agree on, I have an adult daughter who's living on our property right now while she's finishing um, a juris doctorate. And so kind of the same things so as we're learning to live sort of intergenerationally mm-hmm. in community, learning to love our children, learning to, you know, work on projects together and make our world a better place you think about the it's not just us then it's not just us as mothers who are making a beautiful home we're teaching and modeling that for the generations for our children who will then have children they'll have children so it's you know and and even like you say in the neighborhood like we have neighbors who drop in and bring us vegetables or stop by and say hi you know friends coming and going and so every time someone enters your home it's this opportunity for them to enter our home, which is a school for the service of the Lord.
0: I absolutely love that because we live in a small town. Like I said, we have children that we call uh, the lost boys in our little town. There's children that just, we live in a mill town. It's a very hardworking lumber town. There's a lot of single um, parent households, And a lot of children that kind of just fend for themselves. And so we homeschool, but we have lots of children who are coming into our home that go to the local public school. And we're a one school community. And so my porch is, in fact, I have children that are coming into my home. They don't even knock. like they And I'm trying to teach them the right way to do things. But I feel like it's my duty, not just within my home, but within my community to share home with all of the children that are coming in here because I think a lot of them don't even have that because of circumstance or situation within their personal lives and so to be able to love on and share what our foundational roots are within home with other children is something that I don't take lightly because it's my greatest prayer that they at least get a bit of that home so that way maybe it'll be a lasting memory so that that way they can carry it forth so like you're saying generational I do believe our work within our home is generational, and we pray that for our children, and I just pray mm-hmm. that I could be planting these seeds of home within their hearts as well so they can replicate it in their futures. Yeah, yeah,
1: and it does take being intentional about how we spend our time. You know, I've always been a stay-at-home mom, but in the last five years, I've had the peaceful press where I write homeschool curriculum, and so I've still had to really be intentional about you know, what am I going to give up so that I can be present in my home and still, you know, make kombucha or today I'm drying mint leaves for tea or, you know, whatever my little home projects are and still be available and present for parents and grandparents and adult children. Part of that is being intentional about how we spend our time. It means like in my personal life, it means that I, Um, usually do my workouts at home or I'll walk with a friend. I don't spend hours at a gym because it's just one of my choices. I don't spend almost any time shopping. Like if I need something, I'll quickly buy it as a delivery from a store. But I, you know, aside from going to a thrift store and the local grocery outlet, like a discount grocery store, I spend almost no time browsing aisles of stores. I just, it's a, it's not a priority because there are other things more important. And I also actually, as much as I love and believe in the power of home, I don't, I don't spend tons of money on my home aside from like practical, you know, I bought a sauerkraut fermenter or, you know, there are things like that, that I'll buy, but my couch is kind of old because I, I want my home to be a place that people can be comfortable. And if I buy a new, you know, fabric couch. I'm going to be all tense about who's sitting on it or (laughs) what they're doing, you know? And so there are some things about my home, you know, as much as I want it to be beautiful, I also want it to be comfortable and welcoming. And so there there are ways that I'm spending my time and my money that are geared towards making sure I have the time to put people first. Mm -hmm.
0: That reminds me of the little quote. It says, hospitality seeks to bless, not impress. And I think hospitality is so greatly connected with the heart of homemaking because a lot of the things we do is not necessarily for the aesthetic and like, oh, my house is perfect. Come to my house to see what I've done. But really our heart wants nothing more than to love on the people when they're within our homes or at our tables. And so that's a lovely reminder of that. And I think that one thing that a lot of homemakers love is we all seem to really love antiques and vintage goods and that idea of like bring and sometimes it saves money, sometimes it doesn't, but like I keep thinking about the idea of are we tied to the actual product or are we tied to the heart and the work and the uh, lifestyle that was back in older times? And so I've been like, I have rocking chairs on my front porch. I didn't buy the rocking chairs to look cute on my little craftsman hundred year old home. I bought rocking chairs to be an invitation to come join me on the front porch so we can sit and have conversation. So it's an old school idea, but with the heart and intention of actually gathering on my front porch and having conversation and slowing down life just a little bit so I can engage and pour into the people that join me on those front porch rockers. So I know you are saying that you're fermenting things that you bought for your sauerkraut. Like, do you enjoy doing those types of skills and creating the time to do those things within your home? And why do you do those?
1: Yeah. You know, partly part of my heart is to be independent of world systems in a sense. And I, I have no ambitions and no like idea that I could grow all my own food or something, mm-hmm. but as a believer and as an adult, I want to know how to do things and I want to do things in an ethical way. So, you know, I'm learning how to make my own soap because it's, it's not really that expensive. It uses up some beef fat I already have on hand mm-hmm. and it's kind of a fun learning project. It's a new skill. You know, I, I make bread because it's, you know, I could buy bread, but I think it tastes better when you make it. And it's just, I want to have these skills kind of in my hat box, so to speak. So if there was a time where I couldn't go to the store and buy bread, I knew how to make bread where, you know, it's a way I think of expanding our, our skill level so that we're not dependent on somebody else all the time. You know, there's a, there's a certain element, you know, the Bible says, oh, no man, anything but to love one another. And so even, you know, I don't want to be dependent on cheap Chinese goods to make my home pretty or you know as much as i can in this small limited life that i have i want to know how to do things and you know have that that kind of grit that our forefathers had where you know i read this book called dory woman of the mountain and dory walks into or she moves she, it's like in appalachia around i mean they were starting to log and in her lifetime she saw them bring electricity so it was probably early 1900s but basically Dory, when they moved into a new community, a new house, they had to like raise all their own food for that season. They had to, you know, raise a pig and slaughter it and put the meat in their attic and grow a garden and save the squash in their attic. They had to do everything for themselves. And I'm so thankful we don't have to live like that. Like, I can't imagine the work that those women were doing to survive, but I also want to be a responsible adult that figures out how to make things and how to do things so that you know, I can, I can have more margin. I just, I'm a big believer in margin, Mm -hmm. you know, and having extra time, extra money, extra skills so that we can have a more peaceful life and not be sort of caught unawares when troubled times.
0: That's really great wisdom because I think a lot of us just rely on easy convenience or quick. Like I'm just going to run to wherever to get a quick sandwich for dinner, but there's some beauty or a lot of beauty that comes from working with our hands. And so, I mean, we use our hands daily when we scroll on social media and we're looking at all the things that so many wonderful people are doing within their homes or in community or wherever, but there's no pride that comes from sitting and scrolling and looking at all those things. But really when you go and create those things within your homes or you learn a new skill that you are afraid to try, like for me sourdough bread. I want to try it. And every time I do try it, I kill it. Like I just, I just am not good at it. But I know that the day that I do that and I uh, commit to learning a new skill and I do it and I do it well, the amount of pride that I'm going to have from learning a new skill within my home, that's not only just something fun and delicious, but it's going to be nourishing for my family because then I could provide healthful. We know the whole ingredients that go into it, the benefits of the fermentation. Like I have not only just learned a new skill that I think is so cool that I see so many women doing, but I'm actually going to nourish my family by doing those things all by the work of my hands.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot of, you know, I think for our children too to see us living a balanced life is so important, you know, with my peaceful press curriculums. I, I include recipes and I include handcrafts. I include time in nature or planting herbs or things like that, because really it's part of a balanced life. Like if all you do in your life is scroll Instagram, or if all you do is shop, your, your life is sort of one-dimensional, but if we can start learning new skills, you know, maybe for you this year, it's growing a tea garden, or maybe for you this year, it's, perfecting sourdough bread or, you know, just one, like I try to really focus maybe on just one new skill a year, Mm. but the idea of continuing to grow, it's just a growth mindset. And when we model that for our children and we welcome them along the, along that ride, you know, there are so many educational benefits. I mean, when a child is baking bread, they're having to do chemistry and they're having to do math and um, they're having to read instructions and follow them. So there's a lot of reading comprehension So you could sit them down and have them do a worksheet or you could have them follow a recipe and make bread and feed your family in the process. There's so many beautiful benefits of a balanced life, which uh, to me, a balanced life means we have some time pursuing academics. We have some time as adults pursuing making money, but we also have time to just spend in nature, sit and talk to God, make a recipe, have a family dinner and talk to your, your children or your neighbors, whoever's at the table that night. You know, I really want to model a balanced life for my children and I want them to feel like they can pursue a balanced life. And I think so much of that happens in our home.
0: Yes. And bringing the children in, like you were saying, like if I were to bring my children into say sourdough my children are going to get a large dose of failure and grit and try again until we succeed. And I think there's nothing that is more beautiful than Teaching your children all the things that go along with that, not just like easy success. Like, look at mom; I'm really good at making bread. Join me in making bread, but also like mom really wants to learn something new, and I'd love for you to join me on the journey. I know that Joanna Gaines has her book "We Are the Gardeners," and she talks about how they had a baby fern and it, it grew, and then they killed it because they loved it too much and gave it too much water, and then they grew into a big garden, and then the garden got ate by their animals, and then they. Tried again. And I think that that story is just so beautiful because it not only teaches about like gardening and the bugs that are good and bad, but it shows like, I'm going to do something new. I want you to join me in that. And then they succeed and they fail together. And I think that that's one of the things that a lot of homemaking women want to do with their children. But it's sometimes hard to bring them into something or make the time or be in the correct headspace where you invite your children to join you. In those things, I know sometimes when I'm cooking, I just want to cook and get it done and to invite my kids in I have to be ready and prepared mentally and emotionally to have them join me on some projects and so I know you have a lot of wisdom in that we've done the peaceful curriculums like I said for five years a few of the different ones that you have and it does involve inviting your children in and so do you have since you have adult children do you have success or any successful tips for women who long to do that but they don't think that they're equipped To actually have the patience maybe to bring them into learning new skills or even skills that they already acquire. I think it's really about um,
1: inviting children into steps. Like you don't have to try and get them to make the whole dinner with you. But what if you just ask them to wash the carrots? Mm. I mean, you don't have to have them do everything, but just inviting them into part of the process. Like when my kids were little, if I was kneading bread dough, I would give them a piece of their own little dough to kind of shape or knead. or, you know, when I'm baking cookies, I might mix it up by myself and invite them into cutting them out. So it's more, it's not that I kind of throw them into the whole mix or invite them into the whole mix. Cause sometimes you just have to feed your family mm-hmm. and get it done, but it's more about inviting them into small baby steps like can you measure the water for the oatmeal can you bring me the the bucket of flour and then as like as they get more skills in maybe carrying, because you know young children don't even have the skills yet to maybe fill a cup with water and carry it over without spilling it but as you invite them into that you think about the motor skills are developing mm-hmm. which makes them better helpers later and it pays off you know now I still have a 13 and a 15 year old but I'm homeschooling but they can help clean the house and cook meals or are so many skills that they have. My daughter does beautiful latte art, which is also an important skill. So, you know, the things that they can do because from earlier on, they were involved in just the life of the home, just the regular life of the home, instead of just expecting that all they were allowed to do was sit there and do worksheets and go play. They've been invited into the balanced and beautiful and productive life of the home.
0: I love that. And every day builds up to a healthful life, like you're saying. So all the little tasks Mm -hmm. like we would invite our children to and maybe not even just in the kitchen or in the garden, but also like Mm -hmm. in just conversation about the Bible or stories we read or just an ongoing conversation. I think it's also like a buildable skill that they'll grow with. Mm -hmm. And as they grow that those seeds will grow and then the skills that they learned within the kitchen since they were three years old like my son's 14 years old and he knows how to make there's a handful of full meals one pot meals but they're full meals they are nourishing the vegetables and they have proteins that I know at 14 when he is grown he's going to be able to care for himself and tend to his own home and Uh he's a 14 year old boy and so I think that that's kind of the ultimate goal within the home and homemaking is that we provide our families with these like buildable skills and buildable love and all the things that we do every day. Really all the parts create a whole.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. It makes just such a more intentional and happy and community-oriented life when we as parents model that because you know sometimes I think we forget that our children are part of our community and we kind of treat them like little projects or even little nuisances but instead if we sort of shift that thought pattern and think consider them you know people human beings I love that Charlotte Mason says children are born persons and so we start to treat them with the respect and the love and consideration that you would treat one of your friends, with or you know, someone you work with, that you treat them with that kind of respect and consideration, as they grow, their respect and consideration will, for you will grow as well.
0: I'm. I know you've mentioned Charlotte Mason a couple times in this conversation where have you found the most inspiration or encouragement along your journey? I know you're pretty well into it. So you've acquired quite a bit of wisdom. And you've found encouragement and inspiration through works that you've read. Do you have a few favorite that you could recommend for women in the homemaking community to find beauty like in community or the way the household dynamic actually works as a big picture rather than just like self help books where we can go and say like, how can I be a better Christian? Or how can I be a better mother or better wife. There's so much of that. But do you have some very, very, very good, useful places that we can find encouragement as how the home should work in our role within the home? Yeah, for sure. I, I really love the book, The Charlotte Mason Companion by
1: Karen Andriola. And you don't even have to be a homeschooler to use that book. It just kind of outlines the idea of the children are born persons and the atmosphere of the home. Some of these things that really make a beautiful life. So that one's a great read for moms wanting to know more about the Charlotte Mesa kind of lifestyle or educational philosophy. Mm -hmm. And then another one that I'm loving right now, I'm actually doing a local book club on it is called For the Family's Sake. And she just talks a lot in there about the power of home to transform communities and to be a place of outreach and to really encourage our own families, but also the families around us.
0: That's really good. I'm going to have to look up both. Actually, I've read quite a bit about Charlotte Mason because I am a homeschool mom, but I'm going to have to look up that other book because that sounds incredibly just beautiful and something I think the homemaking community would really adore. So I will share the links for both of those in the podcast notes. But I'm, um, I, With your Peaceful Press curriculum, I know you're a big advocate for the Little House books. Would you want to share a little bit about how you think that those books are applied to the homemaking world? Because they're not directly tied to homemaking per se, but they actually really are. They have become very much useful and beautiful tools for the homemaking lifestyle. Yeah,
1: I I really love those books. We have a curriculum called The Playful Pioneers. It's based on that series because there are so many amazing family lessons in the series, The Little House on the Prairie. There's five that we include in our resource. But in each one of them, mom is having to make a home and she's having to make a home under intensely difficult circumstances. She makes a home in a sod house, which is basically like a little cave under the ground. She makes a home in sort of a log cabin. She makes a home in a claim shanty. So she's having to make a home in new places constantly. And she just does it with so much care. Like there's always this scene in the books where she finally has a shelf up and she finally hangs the curtains and puts the tablecloth out and voila, home is made. And so I I just love her attention to the home, but also the relationships, you know, in the book. I mean, obviously... There are some ideas in there and some thought patterns about people of other races that are that we don't agree with in our modern life and we're thankful that we know better now, mm-hmm. but some of the ways that they relate to each other the ways that the children um, learn to work through conflict the ways that Ma and Pa learned to overcome their fears or learn to overcome the hardship, I mean, the cheerfulness that they display. When they're facing real hardships has been such a model for me in my life, in my book that's coming out in July, Mothering by the Book, I really talk about how just her thankfulness and her ability to, you know, they have no food and she says, I, I've learned to Be thankful for the little things. You know, they they're dealing with Pa being lost in a blizzard and she plays some games with the children. You know, it's Christmas time and she cooks up some popcorn because that's all they have. You know, all of these spots where they're under these extreme hardship situations. And yet Ma comes up with a way to kind of distract everybody and bring a little joy into the situation. It's just been such an encouragement to me as we've gone through our own difficult times to you know, maybe distract sometimes, maybe just play a game, but in some way um, work, especially as moms, it's so easy to be emotional and be, you know, afraid or anxious or discouraged. And then our children feel that like when we're just wandering around the house, quiet up in our heads, Mm -hmm. they feel that. And they often take that as, Oh, I did something wrong, or my mom's not happy with me. Mm -hmm. And so if we can learn to have some control over our emotions Take our thoughts captive. If you need to, get a counselor, so we can be present and be a little more, a little more gritty in a way. Like you know, I, I watched a season of Alone, the like survival show, and this lady was up in the Arctic and like basically starving to death with frostbitten toes, and yet she's like got a big smile on her face all the time, and she's like, oh look and look at this, you know. And I think, I mean, why can't we try a little bit harder to be like, oh, look at my kids. Look, I get to read books. Look, I get to make bread. You know, it's so easy to be like, oh, another poopy diaper or, Uh oh my gosh, the kitchen's dirty again. You know what I mean? To be so negative, Mm -hmm. it's just really easy to do, but there's so much power in just being happy. And sometimes happiness is just making a choice to be cheerful despite the circumstances.
0: It is really hard to do sometimes, Jen. Like, sometimes you're just so, like you said, walking around the head. I have so much in my mind right now with. Things that have nothing to do necessarily with my home or homeschool or my children. I have to-do lists running through my head and I'm trying to figure out how to become productive with my new time that I have with the Homemakers Club and all the things that are coming with this season. And so it's, it's easy to put off a negative atmosphere in the home and, and I'm not unhappy. It's just I have a lot going on in my own personal head and my heart. And so I've really been trying to learn how to be productive with my time within my home, making good use of that time is focusing. I heard a quote recently, like all you have to do is focus on what's in front of you. And so I've been trying to learn new skills like that. So that way I can put off that happy atmosphere and try harder because I don't want... I mean, this is a beautiful season within the homemaking community. I think there's a rise amongst us and the Homemakers Club is, I think, really kind of a part of that. And so I have this beautiful thing going and I'm so joyful and grateful and happy, but I have a lot of to-do lists. And so I think it kind of mm. it goes off into my home and I am learning those new skills and, and the power of the atmosphere that we carry within our home that I never really had to consider so much and fight for so hard. Do you have any year in the similar season? I mean, you've been in it with your business and working from home and all of that. Do you and I know there's a lot of women that are being called to do some pretty hard and holy things and create their own ministries for the home or homeschool and homemaking. Do you have any wisdom or or tips that you could share with any of us that are in a similar season for either fighting for and showing that positive atmosphere when our to-do lists are running through our heads or yeah, how to manage yeah, time? Yeah, totally. I I actually watched a do-
1: Donald Miller has a new book out called, I think it's maybe called the hero's journey, but I can't remember. It's Donald Miller hero on a mission maybe, but basically he talks about writing your eulogy and that has been very powerful for me. I wrote my eulogy and when I wrote, you know, when I realized what's important to me at the end of my life is not how many Instagram followers I had. It's not how much money I made. It's really, I want to be known as a dedicated wife and mother. Mm -hmm. I want people at my funeral to say, she really loved her kids. She really loved her home. She really loved her husband. She really loved Jesus. And so, you know, I, I feel like God has called me to, you know, share or mentor or be a Titus two woman. But at the end of the day, what I really want to be known for is somebody who loved her, her family. And so that means that I'm going to quit. I'm going to have quitting time. Do I mean, it means that I'm going to say, okay, I did an Instagram post today, or I worked on editing some curriculum and now we're going to go out in nature. Now we're going to go do something else because, you know, we could never be done working. There's always, you know, messages or posts or like, and I, and I think everybody has their own situation. Like for you and me right now, it's our online businesses for other people. It might be some community service, or it might be even just, just. Decorating and organizing—we yes. could never be done. Yes. But are we decorating and organizing for our families? What's the point of it? Like, do you want at the end of your life to be known as someone who had a perfect house, or her house was always clean, or do you want to be known at the end of your life as someone who really loved her home and family? And and so everybody—you have to decide your own end of life goals because everybody has it different. Mm-hmm. But for me, at the end of my life, I want to be known as somebody who you knew that she loved her family and she loved her God. And and so I, I try to keep things in balance because that's the end goal.
0: I absolutely love that. I've just recently actually sat down. I did not write a eulogy. However, I did sit down and I made a list of the things that I want people to know me for currently. And currently, more than anything, I want to be known as a good wife, a good mom, and a good steward of the Lord that's all i care about and and so it mm-hmm. it's put some perspective into what i choose to do throughout the day and i'm where i put my focus and my priority and then everything else follows after that so homemaking in the presence of like my my husband and my children and our homeschool and then my time with the lord each day and it's not just like in the mornings through quiet time but The start and finish of every day and then walking through every moment that I can asking the Lord to guide me or having that conversation relationship and talking with it with about it with friends and family and whoever really listen not that I'm preaching but just simply like this is who I am and this is my lifestyle that's what I want to be known for and it kind of guides me um every day to make the good choices because I want to be known to be focusing on the things that matter most to me and not like perfectly clean floors which they are not and they haven't been (laughs) for months (laughs) Jennifer, I am so incredibly grateful that you joined me today. I have just found so much wisdom from you in this conversation and over the last five years, it has been such a a beautiful journey and I can't wait to read your new book that releases. You want to tell us a little bit about that and when it does release, because I'm really excited to hear this and read this.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm so excited too. It's going to be available for pre-orders in July. I think it's shipping late July, early August. And it's called Mothering by the Book, and it's about how the books that I've been reading aloud to my children over 28 years as a mom have helped me overcome fear. And it's still a journey. There's always new things as a mom to get scared about. But these tools that I extrapolated from books like Little Bridges and The Hiding Place and Little House on the Prairie have really been these tools that I use constantly in my life to take my thoughts captive, to be thankful, to enjoy my life. And so that I can be a present and loving mom and wife.
0: Do you think that those books are also aiding in the planting of seeds within your children and in the hearts as they grow up? Because I know they do a lot for us as adults because we have the experience. We have the wisdom. We're currently mothers and we, we're in a different span of life than they are. But I know that reading to children really is a beautiful thing. But what do you think about how that actually affects their lives and as they grow older?
1: Yeah, I mean, it it creates a vocabulary and a worldview. This is why I'm so passionate about teaching through literature with my peaceful press resources is because it it changes your worldview. Like if you teach a child simply with facts, they have no moral worldview. I mean, they have no worldview almost at all besides what they get from television. But if you teach a child reading stories of overcomers, reading of, you know, in the book, the fields of home Ralph Moody has to work to help save his grandfather's farm when you see that kind of loyalty in action or when you see you know the way the cheaper by the dozen family worked together to to care for 12 children or you know when you see the way these families in literature worked together, or loved each other, or overcame hardships, it creates a model for your children to follow. It creates a worldview that says, I do have agency to make things better in my world. I am not a victim. I am a powerful person who can help not only myself, but also the world around me. And so it's creating this beautiful worldview in our children where they have hope to do something good with their time and with their money and with their lives. So I, I 100% am a huge believer in just the power of literature to shape our children's worldview. And, and I don't, I don't, it's just so important to me that parents got, get a hold of that. And maybe you're not a read aloud family. Maybe it's not your thing, but then get books on Audible,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: just you know, giving your children that chance to have have heroes is so important, I believe.
0: It is. And then it opens up dialogue for communication. So then you're actually being able to mm-hmm. sit around what, I mean, we do, we just actually finished the first Lion Witch in the wardrobe in the truck while we drive. We have an hour to the city. Mm-hmm. And so I, I downloaded that and we've been listening to it. And I have a 14-year-old and a nine-year-old that have been listening. And the nine-year-old hears it completely different than the 14-year-old. And so then 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 our hour drive home we we have conversation about what we read and what that means and not just what the book means itself, but what that means in our hearts and in our homes and how my husband and I are creating the, what we believe and what we believe are foundational roots and tools that we want our children to carry forth in the world. And so there's so much more than just the stories they read or they hear on recording, but also it creates a dialogue that we can share our belief system with our children and plant those seeds for they for them to grow.
1: Yeah, exactly. It creates a whole like a family culture in a mm-hmm. sense a family identity that's shaped around these great stories. It's amazing.
0: It really is amazing. Jennifer, I am so grateful. I will share the links for the books and your podcast that you host and also peaceful press and your Instagram, all of the things will be in the podcast notes. So our listeners can find you and be encouraged and inspired by you just as I have. Thank you so much for taking the time. And I encourage the women that are listening to go follow Jennifer so you can be, equally as enriched as I have been through my season of homeschool and homemaking. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me. It's just been such an honor to chat with you today. Thank y'all for being here and for the work you are doing within your homes and sharing home with the world. I believe with my whole heart that every day, the more we share home and the art of homemaking, we are upholding the way in which home was intended to be productive, fruitful and beautiful. Though your days may seem ordinary, little by little, you are building something quite extraordinary. Keep up the good work, my friends. If you haven't already, I encourage you to join our sisterhood on Instagram at We Are The Homemakers for daily encouragement and fellowship. And of course, subscribe here as well. We Are The Homemakers Gathered for Good. See y'all next week.